Hello. Welcome to the Cities on the Frontline Urban Exchange Podcast. We've created this space for city leaders and urban practitioners to come together for a few minutes to share the opportunities and challenges they are grappling with as they drive transformative change in cities today. I'm Lauren Sorkin, Executive Director of the Resilient Cities Network. We are a city-led network of nearly 100 city members around the world, working to build urban resilience that enables cities to thrive no matter the shock or stress faced. And I'm pleased you've joined us for this episode hosted with our partner, Smart Cities World, with sponsorship from our friends and co-conspirators in urban resilience, the World Bank. Cities are truly on the front line of delivering a future that is resilient, sustainable, economically robust, healthy and equitable for all of us. It is no small charge. At the Resilient Cities Network, we provide forums like this to bring together knowledge, practice and partnerships that support and encourage city leaders and urban practitioners in their efforts. Now, over to my co-host, Paul Wilson, chair of the Smart Cities World Advisory Board. Thanks, Lauren. It's great to be doing this with you. I'm chair of Smart Cities World's Advisory Board, and every year more than a million people read Smart Cities World and 30,000 people are members gaining access to special reports and content. Members include officials from more than a thousand cities with new members every single week. And in the day job, I'm Chief Business Officer at Connected Places Catapult, the UK's innovation accelerator for cities, transport and places. Together, we're sharing ideas that solve urban challenges, bringing people together from the public, private, academic, and not-for-profit sectors. Our Urban Exchange podcast will take us around the world to meet people working on the front line. In this inaugural episode, Paul talks to the chair of the Resilient Cities Network Board of Directors, Houston City Mayor Sylvester Turner, about how cities on the front line are investing in resilient infrastructure that delivers for communities now and well into the future. Houston is the fourth largest city in the United States, and Mayor Turner is lighting the path for more resilient cities across the world. Let's get started. Hi, Mayor Turner. Welcome to the Urban Exchange. Thank you so much for making the time for us. Now, Houston is America's fourth largest city, and I know you're a global leader in building urban resilience that's equitable and produces green jobs and accelerates a just recovery. I just wonder what drove your interest in this topic and why is it so important today? Well, Paul, number one, let me just say it's good to be with you, with you uh, today. Um, look, I've been mayors for about six years now, and in those six years, uh, we have dealt with a lot of shocks and stresses in the city of Houston. Um, I've experienced six federally declared disasters in five years. Uh, four, four months into office, uh, in April of 2016, we faced what we call the tax day flood, a 500-year flood. Uh, the following year was Hurricane Harvey. More rain fell on Houston than on any city on the North American continent. Uh, in 2019, I faced Tropical Storm Melda, another 500-year storm. Uh, so there have been a number, a number of things that we faced, not counting the pandemic or the winter storm uh, that we faced just in February of this year. And what I've discovered in each one of those situations, 
there are certain communities uh, that are disproportionately impacted uh, from these extreme weather events. And those are people who are already living on the margins. And each time one of these disasters came, it pushed them further down. So uh, I became um, very much engaged in this conversation. Uh, Paul, I come from one of those communities. I come from a low-income community. Uh, and in fact, as the mayor city of Houston, I still have, am, have the luxury, in a sense, of living in the same neighborhood, the same community in which I was born and reared. So this issue for me is not just a political issue, but it's a very personal issue as well. You have more hurricanes even coming just today, don't you, or this week even? Just this, just this past uh, week, uh, Paul, uh, we had something that started up uh, over the weekend uh, in the Gulf, and then it quickly uh, escalated or intensified. Um, so from a tropical storm, then it became a hurricane. Uh, the city of Houston was very fortunate. We didn't experience a lot of damage, but nonetheless, uh, it came, it went right along the coast and then moved on into Louisiana. That was, that was a few days ago, and we still have a few thousand people without power as we speak. And the power issue happened also back in February, didn't it, with the snow? That, that story hit the world. That was, winter, that was winter storm Uri. Now, the interesting thing, I was in the legislature before I became mayor, and in 2011, uh, the state of Texas experienced a similar winter storm. But so, but between 2011 and 2021, uh, we had those of policymakers, those who were part of our ERCOT system, never talked about climate change. And so the, the state didn't take the necessary steps to build in resilience, to get prepared for it. And then 10 years later, uh, we experienced uh, winter storm Uri. Uh, hundreds of people, a couple hundred people lost their lives. Uh, costing the state of Texas billions of dollars, a lot of people without power, and many of those individuals, again, uh, that were disproportionately impacted were people and communities that were already on the margins. It's, a, it's a incredible times that we're living in. The world is changing. In that, in that context, I know you're a big advocate for resilient infrastructure. I wonder if you can tell us what resilient infrastructure means for you. And we'll talk a little bit later about how you're going about building that resilient infrastructure. It's difficult to do. What is resilient well, what infrastructure? Is, well, it's, 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 it's climate resilience. It's recognizing that these storms are coming with greater frequency and intensity. And if we don't, if we don't build or put in place that infrastructure, that will be resilient to these extreme weather events, we're going to pay a huge, a huge cost. So in many cases, for example, in the city of Houston, we put forth our Resilient Houston Plan in February of last year. Uh, our Climate Action Plan, we, we uh, laid out on Earth Day of last year. And the Climate Action Plan is a part of the Resilient Houston Plan. It's about talking about the green stormwater infrastructure. It's about putting in place the necessary detention basins, uh, recognizing that flooding will be coming. It's, it's, it's talk about building up higher rather than building horizontally. Um, it's changing behavior 
Uh, it's all of those elements. They are a part of our resilient Houston plan. There are about 18 different objectives, 62 different strategies, and they cover the, they cover the gamut. It's more or less like a holistic plan. Uh, and in terms of the climate action plan, there are four major pillars. Uh, one is energy transition. Okay, this is energy capital world, energy transition. Another is electrifying our uh, transit, public and private fleet. Uh, third is building optimization. And the fourth is material management, recycling. But infrastructure, that goes from everything from more parks, green space, green stormwater infrastructure, detention basins, uh, building higher, a um, uh, number of elements, recognizing that these storms are coming with greater frequency and intensity. I read that Houston has one of the highest uh, CO2 per person uh, kind of numbers in the whole of the United States. Uh, but in your plans, building equitable green jobs, which build a just transition is, is key to the whole thing, isn't it? Can you unpack for me what, how do we do this infrastructure investment with equity and jobs and uh, and create a just transition. How does those things fit in? Well, I, let me let me let me answer that by giving you one example. Uh, in the city of Houston, we have a landfill, for example, that was that was opened in the 1930s, closed in 1970. Uh, 240 acres that have been dormant for the last 50 years. Uh, what we are doing now is that we are taking that landfill, those 240 acres, working with in, with some in the private sector, some of our energy partners and turning that into the largest uh, urban solar farm in the country. Uh, and what will that do? That will generate enough power to power 5,000 homes, for example, in the city of Houston. It will provide green jobs, good paying jobs. Uh, it will transform this low-income community uh, and we'll be able to make uh, significant improvements. It'll take 120 million pounds of carbon out of the out of the air, uh, uh, so that is that is a project where it, it it addresses equity, it transforms communities, it provides green jobs, okay, and it and it enhances people's quality of life. That's that's one example. It's those type of projects that we're looking to do all across this city. And how long did it take to get that? project unlocked? Was it years and years or did it happen quickly? Well, no, it didn't happen quickly. That, 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 that landfill was shut down under protests in 1970. Uh, it was under my administration that we decided that we needed to reimagine that space. And at the same time, uh, it became a part of our resilient Houston plan and our climate action plan and equity uh, was a critical, a critical component and then there's another initiative that we put in place called Complete Communities. And that's investing in communities that have been underserved and under-resourced. So it checked the box. And now the planning has occurred. City Council has given it uh, unanimous approval. Uh, we are, uh, the companies are now moving forth to get the necessary permitting uh, from the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. But uh, look, that property laid dormant for, uh, Paul, it laid dormant for 50 years. So this is renewing a whole area of town as well as creating the jobs and 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic plan. Are there lessons that you've learned there that you're able to share with people around the world and other city leaders around the world? How are you how are you sharing the lessons learned in Houston? Well, I think it's important to think outside of the box. Uh, look, resiliency has to be top of mind. But you can't start talking about resilience and talking about climate infrastructure without also putting equity at the, at the seat at the table. Equity has to be a part of the equation. And oftentimes when we talk about uh, 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 climate resilience or adapting, adaptations, we don't view it through an equity lens. So that, that needs to be upfront. Otherwise, we'll, make, we'll put in this, some strategies, but we'll leave out communities and people that are disproportionately impacted. So we have to be concerned about uh, the economic disparities, the health disparities, the economic disparities that exist as we uh, talk about in, uh, building an or implementing an effective infrastructure that will address climate change. Uh, and that's what, that's what I've noticed in all of these extreme weather events or disasters or even the pandemic, that there are certain, there are certain communities that are repeatedly impacted and they bear the brunt of bad policies. Can I change the subject a little bit to innovation? You, you mentioned yes. the solar farm. This is new technology. Are there many new types of startup companies or new technology breakthroughs that are helping in Houston? And is that an, a, an important part of the story? Well, technology, technology is key, is critical. I'll give you an example, uh, for example, um, the pandemic. And uh, uh, a lot of people are doing the PCR test, for example, to determine whether or not you have uh, COVID or not. Uh, what we are doing and what some other cities are doing is that we are testing uh, the degree of the spread of, of this virus through our wastewater treatment uh, facilities, plants. We're working with Baylor College of Medicine, uh, Rice University, the City of Houston Health Department, and through the use of advanced technology, we can pinpoint in the city the degree of community spread that exists in this in the in the city, and then we can even on a, on a granular scale, we can pinpoint and determine uh, to what degree there's uh, spread at a school, or at the jail, or at some other facility. That is through the use of technology. We just talked about uh, the storm that has come through, that came through uh, past the city of Houston on its way to Louisiana. We have a number of bayous all throughout the city. Uh, through the use of technology, we have these gauges at all of these bayous that can determine the level uh, of whether the water level, so we can give advance warnings to people who are living close to those bayous that the water will go outside the banks and so start making added preparation. That's technology that we didn't have years ago that we are utilizing right now. And even as it relates, for example, to our sanitary sewer overflows, uh, we can use technology to determine when uh, the, uh, the situation is getting worse and we may experience sanitary discharges, for example, into our waterways, where we can measure the degree of that problem through the use of technology. Are there people with disabilities, for example? 
in order to get around, uh, for example, in the city of Houston, using Wayfinder technology so that they will know where they are, where they are going, and it allows them to move more freely uh, throughout, uh, throughout our city. In terms of measuring the, the quality of the air, we're use, uh, utilizing a lot more air monitoring all across the city to, to measure the, the, the level of toxicity, for example, or how dirty the air may be to serve as a warning to other people with various health uh, challenges. That's all through the use of technology, which is helping us to be more proactive, preventive, and at the same time, uh, providing us with the needed information that, um, that's the information that we need in order to really pinpoint what our strategies uh, should be. I think what you're highlighting is, as we get to grips with climate change, as we build resiliency, there are many opportunities to create jobs, to innovate with technology, to bring greater Absolutely. equity, to do this in a just recovery manner. This is actually an opportunity to build a new economy, not just a, a crisis to, to be negatively framed, but actually an opportunity for us to change and some of the ways we work and, and the things we do. And, 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 and Paul, you're absolutely correct. I mean, uh, uh, now with the focus is on uh, uh, creating, placing a, a more emphasis on innovation, um, utilizing startups even more uh, to solve many of our problems, um, uh, creating what we call this, this uh, expanding on this ecosystem, and then connecting it, for example, with the challenges that we are facing in building a more resilient, sustainable uh, city of Houston. So I know you're the chair of the Resilient Cities Network globally. It's uh, many innovative cities around the world. What can you tell me about how that network is learning from each other and what the members are doing? Well, you know, uh, uh, cities across the globe are doing some, uh, some fantastic things to address the effects of climate change. In Paris, for example, when they're dealing with extreme heat, they have put in place a building an urban uh, oasis initiative where they are you unpaving a lot of the areas that are paved over with cement. They are unpaving. Uh, they are creating these green, this green environment, uh, planting more trees. It's an urban oasis, and, and I, I love that, and we're going to look at doing some things here in Houston. In, Rod in Rotterdam, where the emphasis is, is on flooding, uh, they, are, they have developed these, this water square, uh, three large rainwater collection ponds uh, to, to mitigate the risk of flooding. And as these ponds drain, uh, uh, they, they, these uh, squares turn into like amph amphitheaters, for uh, entertainment and sports activity. Uh, so it's serving as dual a dual purpose. I love what they're doing in Rotterdam. And then in Cape Town, when they're dealing with, with drought, uh, they're coming up with alternative water sources or changing people's mindset on, on thinking and how to, how to, uh, to live in, uh, alternatively with from uh, uh, reduce their use of water. Uh, so they're doing some incredible things in Cape Town. These are things that are happening all over the world as people uh, 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 implement ways to adapt, to adjust, to mitigate uh, the, the effects of climate change. And we all can learn uh, from, what's, uh, from what other cities are doing uh, everywhere.
And I wonder, just asking again, in for Houston, what would be your priorities then in that setting? I want to, for this city, for me, I want a healthy place to live. I want an equitable, inclusive, affordable city. I want a I want us to be a leader in climate adaptation. We are the we are known as the energy capital of the world. I want us to be known as the as the energy capital of energy transition. Uh, recognizing that if we can uh, decarbonize, if we can reach net zero in the energy capital of the city, city of Houston, it, then the ramifications will not just be locally, but the ramifications will be felt globally because some of the largest emitters are uh, located right here in the city of Houston. So as, from my vantage point as the mayor of this city, it is my desire for us to lead the way, just like we are the energy capital of the world, we are the largest medical center in the world, we have NASA. When it comes to climate resilience and climate change and the response to it, I want this city to be one of the leaders in making the adaptations to saving our planet. Well, perhaps I've got one last question for you, which is what do you hope will come out of the COP26 meetings in Glasgow? And what role do you think cities should be playing uh, in that meeting and beyond it? Well, look, cities, cities are the boots on the ground. We are the boats in the water. We are the closest to the people. Uh, I'm expecting great things from COP26. Uh, the United States is back at the table. And I can't tell you how happy I am that the United States is back at the table. And I'm talking about from the federal level all the way down to the local level. Uh, we are adhering, we're working uh, to adhere to the Paris Agreement, to the Paris Accord. And we, and, uh, we are part of the race to zero. Uh, we recognize that we need to move quicker, not slower. We need to be bolder, not just be incrementalist. And uh, um, so what I hope out of COP26 is that um, countries and cities and leaders from every walks of life from all over uh, the globe will recognize uh, that we need to work in a much more unified fashion in order to save our planet and deal with this ex um, existential threat that exists uh, on the face of this earth. These are wise words. I hope you're right. I hope we can start to collaborate more easily uh, in this uh, Glasgow COP26. Paul, I don't think I don't think we have a choice. I don't think the planet is going to wait on us uh, to get our act together. I think uh, every every day, all throughout the world, we're getting warning signs. Okay, I don't care where you are. We are getting Mother Nature is sending us warning signs. Either we do a better job of taking care of this planet that we have been given, or we are going to reap the consequences of our actions, or lack thereof. It's been fantastic talking to you, Mayor Turner. A delight to meet you. Long time since I've been to Houston. It's a fabulous place, and I hope to come there and meet you again soon. Thanks for joining us so much on our Urban Exchange podcast. Thanks very much. Thanks, Paul, and you're more than welcome to come to the city anytime.